This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Here's something you don't see often in farm country. Dozens of animal rights activists being marched out of an Abbotsford hog farm after a brazen early morning protest raid that saw them shooting pictures through windows and lining the walkways of the facilities where pigs are raised for meat. You may have remembered hearing about that story. That was Paul Johnson reporting for Global News last weekend. And that is when about 200 animal rights activists descended on that Abbotsford uh, hog farm to protest what they're alleging is abusive treatment of the animals inside. There were about 50 of the activists who actually entered the barn at Excelsior Hog Farms on Sunday morning. And then there were more than about 100 or so supporters gathering outside the property that they were singing and waving signs. So the police showed up, removed the protesters from inside the barn, but no one was actually arrested. But I was watching that story on the news, right, on Monday or Sunday, Monday, and I realized, well, that's a very familiar face I saw that was actually one of the protesters, uh, one of the organizers of the protest, former RCMP officer, former RCMP corporal Dan Moskaluk uh, from the Penticton area. You probably, if you don't recognize the name, you'd recognize the face, you'd recognize his voice if you saw him. For years, he was the voice of the RCMP for the interior of this province. So you saw him countless times on the news. So how does somebody go? from enforcing the law to crossing the protest line and then being on the receiving end now of dealing with the police. I thought, you know, there's got to be an interesting story there. So we caught up with Dan Moskaluk yesterday and got him to talk to us about this. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us to talk about this. I have to tell you, I I saw you on the TV in the last week or so uh, at those protests out at the pig farm. And I thought, wait a minute, I know that face. You must get that a lot. Yes, uh, I do, and I have uh, for those that uh, that have seen me out and about. In fact, the first time was actually a Vancouver police officer when I was uh, back at one of the functions, the March to Close All Slaughterhouses in Vancouver, on on, on the steps of the uh, art gallery. And I went over to after the march. I went over and I spoke actually at, at that one as well. So I went over to talk to the three guys that are on motorcycles and assisting us with our safety, and uh, came over to thank them. And uh, we were chatting, and all of a sudden the guy pointed his finger at me. He said, "Hey, wait a second." in and um, he said you're Dan Moskaluk the media guy and you survived cancer right and yeah so the conversation ensued so yeah there's some some double takes yes yeah I have to ask you then how does one go from being an RCMP spokesperson kind of well-known face for speaking for law enforcement to being on the other side of that to being a, a protester well, I, I think it could be a very natural progression. You know, as a pol- veteran police officer with 33 years of service, you know, my whole sole intention of being, uh, being a policeman was to help victims and communities themselves. And it was to assist those who were victimized and at times downright brutalized in some cases, you know, from, from battered women to physically abused, sexually abused children. And it's usually in those all these years is it's the most vulnerable that are that are victimized. So... Um, my role has been one to trying to prevent violence or intervening when there is violence or victimization. And, and essentially, it's my training in years as actually as a police officer that's galvanized this response, uh, you know, into my fabric to recognize what victimization looks like and to know when there's a time that somebody should be intervening and helping. The only thing now is that it's, you know, it's crossed over to, to all species now. 
How did that happen then? So you retired as an RCMP officer. What has life been like for you? Well, I, oh, it's a long story. How many minutes do we have? <laughs> but no, it, uh, you know, I think, the, you know, the public and I, I'm so thankful to the support that I had uh, between 2013 when I took uh, a leave of absence from, uh, from my diagnosis of stage four cancer and, and there was a, a health recovery that, uh, that occurred uh, um, by and large part of, of adopting a whole food plant-based uh, lifestyle. Now, being homebound, uh, you know, you're, you're researching, you're reading and it's not much else you can do when, when you're not very well. Looking at this lifestyle, there's three doors that people will come through. For us, it was health. The other doors are, are of course, animal ethics and the environmental reasons for, for looking at uh, leaving animals off our plate. So for us, it started with health. And then the more I read and then the more I learned about uh, you know, the treatment of animals in this industry, and uh, then that spills over to the, to the evidence, the science-based evidence as how this is linked into environmental degradation. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a no-brainer. So that's how it evolved. Right. And what piqued our curiosity was to become more active in the communities that, around us to, uh, to uh, you know, help these, these victims, the, these animals. You said you were diagnosed with stage four cancer. How are you now? Well, stage four kidney cancer, which apparently is a, is a terminal diagnosis with a 5% chance of making to five years. And uh, I was given months to two years. Um, and uh, I was on uh, an immunotherapy uh, trial study drug uh, briefly. Uh, I was supposed to be on that for the rest of my life. However, shortly into the study and the treatment, I had a near fatal attack. So I was dismissed from the study. And I haven't had medical intervention since 2014. Um, the cancer itself, again, would have been growing for 20, 20 years. I went into the diagnosis extremely healthy, um, and uh, my physicians and, and medical team were, were frankly quite amazed as to that I went into the remission, and then within 15 months, the cancer was radiologically undetectable. Um, and so amazing. today, now, five years plus, I'm, I'm still cancer-free. That is and amazing. I'm healthier than I've been. What, yeah. do you, what do you attribute that to? I attribute that uh, mainly to uh, to uh, uh, eliminating animal products out of my diet. Like 100%. And was that a change that you made after your diagnosis? Yeah, so the, my wife, Sean, got us into it. Uh, you know, she had some health issues and weight issues. And uh, 2011, our son was getting into weightlifting, started looking at proteins. She started researching proteins. The more she learned, she says, she, you know, we're doing this in the household. She dropped 133 pounds from 300 pounds in those two years. In those two years, I was about 95%, you know, was eating that way in the house and then still scarfing crap down when I was out and about and working shifts. And, uh, but I, uh, at the beginning, 35 pounds overweight, metabolic syndrome, pre-diabetic, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, all those markers disappeared. Uh, but, you know, again, and everything came to a head uh, November 9th, 2013, when I got the diagnosis. And in the hospital that night was the day and the time exact second that I committed fully to a plant, whole food plant-based diet, not just vegan, but very much stricter than, um, you know, some processed or, or, or transitional foods. Yeah. So I can see how you definitely believe in this, but what led you to then start protesting uh, at some of these protests? And I went, how is that, how do other protesters kind of take that as they have a former RCMP officer here on the line with them? 
Well, initially, too, there's the, some individuals, of course, there's some uh, caution, uh, but I think people have known me, um, or those news, those that are news watchers or in the communities yeah. that have worked, they've, they've known, you know, my integrity and my ethics and, and how I've represented uh, the victims and, and, and the communities uh, doing best by them. It was interesting, and, and it was always put to them that, I think I'm uh, I'm an asset uh, for not only for the active inside but all, as well for law enforcement. So we were warmly embraced quite quickly actually and and given I guess maybe our age the demographics of of, of this social movement is, is spans uh, you know the whole gamut. How so how what kind of advice have you been able to give the protesters and how do you use your kind of law enforcement background now in this particular area? Well, again, with my police experiences, I can date back to, you know, the the pepper spray incident at, at uh, UBC and when there was the arrests of individuals and, and so on to some of the other protests that we've had. And uh, I think what I, for on the side of, for the, you know, concerned citizens slash activists or, or what, what you want to call them, that um, people are kind of afraid of the police at times and, and when they step out of the norms of society and joining activism in that. So what I want to achieve essentially is just that, you know, this is what's expected of you, uh, you know, uh, in lawfulness and, and so on and what you can expect with your interactions with police, especially with animal rights activism now. When we look at some of the other social movements, uh, be it LGBTQ or, or religion or, 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 or environmental, those are kind of issues that, you know, they do affect everybody, but some of them don't. But when we look at the food and the treatment of animals, that kind of, everybody, you know, everybody's kind of involved in this. So sometimes you might get uh, an implicit bias mm -hmm. uh, that's displayed by, by uh, uh, the police of jurisdiction. By, by and large, though, we do see exemplary conduct and, and uh, the role uh, that we see. So I guess it's, you know, what the activists um, can expect from how, you know, by their behavior and, and you know, what, what's going to jeopardize their, their, their lawful standing and so on. And then also, though, is that to, to give them an idea as to what they can expect from their, the conduct of the police and what they should expect. Uh, and again, I always preface this, I'm not a lawyer, but I think I do have a pretty good perspective with 33 and a half years service as a police officer and, and that, you know, have a pretty good idea as to what certain boundaries are. And, but again, people at times as well, and, and we've communicated this with my former employer, that we do want people to know that there are avenues that they can take. Uh, that if there is certain concerns about how they've been treated or, or, or so on and so forth. So, um, and by and large, too, at times, too, there's de-escalation skills. And this is another thing that yeah. I cover with activists as well, is that at times, because this is such a personal issue, at times you, and, and it, it happens to all of us, is that, okay, at a certain point in time, the, that police officer has got to take a deep breath and say, okay, uh, let's try and de-escalate this. But at times we see, t you know, that sometimes it's the other individual that can de-escalate. And uh, interestingly enough, we saw that this Sunday where it was one of our activists who was in, uh, you know, a fairly serious situation uh, confronted by one of the farmers that uh, it was the activist that de-escalated. Right. So you're providing some pretty valuable advice here that it seems to me that I've never heard of somebody being in the kind of position before that you find yourself in now. Yeah, 
I've been looking around the globe, and uh, <laughs> because again, this is one of the largest growing social movements on the planet right now because we face such an existential threat with what's going on with our climate, with the extinction of species, and one of the largest contributing factors is eating animals, and it's one of the things that we can all do as individuals, if we really seriously look at this, what's the easiest thing I can do, and that's to change what's on your plate. You know, we can't stop heating our houses, we can't stop driving our cars, you know, in one fell swoop, but you can really just sit there and say, you know what, I can be extremely healthy, I can be healthier uh, by, by adopting a plant-based diet. We've looked at the Canada Food Guide now is focusing on plant-based nutrition. There's a reason why. But, and then little baby steps, of course, but to really seriously consider it. Well, you've certainly done a very convincing job. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. All right. Thank you, Simi. That is Dan Moskaluk, former RCMP officer, RCMP spokesperson for that matter.